Folks, here is a question. What's the one thing you've never told anyone? People just like you share secrets just like that in a podcast called The Secret Room. If you're a true story fan, and of course you are because you listen to Risk, and you can't get enough of people's most intimate dreams and desires and shame, you will love The Secret Room. Like Myla's deathbed confession that her daughter's absent father is a movie star, or Jen's secret love affair with a man on death row, or the way Joey falls in erotic love with inanimate objects. People all around you carry the most amazing secrets, and you're invited to the secret room for a front row seat to spectacular stories that'll touch you, jar you, and amaze you. Now, right here in our podcast feed today, we're presenting a special treat, a sample episode of The Secret Room. Check it out. It's what's next. You're about to hear an episode called The Sugar Rush. I think there's a sugar daddy kind of situation going on in here. So enjoy this extra little special treat today. And then, if you want to hear more, be sure to search for The Secret Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your secret? When I was younger, I was just starting to play with makeup. One of my favorite colors to use was dark red. I loved deep reds. And of course I was like 14, 15, and I used to get in trouble for it all the time. So my mother would constantly confiscate these lipsticks from me. And of course, every time I lost one to my strict mother, I would just go to my grandmother and tell her, hey, uh, mommy stole my lipstick, can we go get another one? My grandmother liked to take me to like Macy's Boston store, to like the Estee Lauder counter or like the, uh, Comet makeup counter, get my MAC lipstick. And then my mom would always be like, where are these coming from? Just, I'd just go out and buy another one. And to this day, it's my favorite color. Today's show contains descriptions of adult situations. Please decide if this is the right time to listen. I just wasn't sure what would happen, but I was willing to find out. Today, a story about a woman who dives into a murky world to help make ends meet. I could have made a career out of serial dating. And at first, things seemed pretty straightforward. He gave me uh, another $600. And I drove down and I think I was there for three hours. Although with a few twists. He had certain expectations for my hygiene when I would meet him. And certain rewards. I mean, that was the most money I'd been handed in cash in my whole life. But what happened next took her by complete surprise. He should have told me. I mean, I was very confused. Well, it must have been devastating. And then I'm just waiting. My heart is pounding. Today, The Secret Room presents... Sugar Rush. Hi, Ben. My name is Erilyn, and I have a secret story about a relationship I had with a sugar daddy. I could never have predicted how it would start, where it would go, and how it would end. I'm left with an emotional story, which was an important part of my life, that I can never share with anyone. I don't think many of my friends would believe it anyway. I'm Ben Ham. 
Hi, Arlen. Welcome to The Secret Room. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for writing in with your story. It's very interesting. And it's about a sugar daddy relationship you found yourself in, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So we're going to hear all about that in all its detail. But I think that to understand the story well, we need to have some context and understand what your life was like before you met your sugar daddy. So could you take us back there and tell us what was going on? Basically, my life had gone through just a huge amount of change in a very short amount of time. In college, I decided to become a nurse, but the programs are pretty competitive. So I ended up waiting four years just to get in. And in that time, I was in a relationship and I had a daughter. And when she was two years old, that relationship ended and I pretty quickly started dating someone else. And I unexpectedly got pregnant again with my second daughter. When he found out that we were having a baby, that was basically the last time that I spoke to him for my entire pregnancy. So I was going through this pregnancy alone, and I had also just started my very first job as an RN in a hospital. Um, so I knew that I would be able to support myself because I was making good money, and I already knew how much I loved my first daughter. So I was going to go at it alone. Um, but I ended up having some pretty severe complications with my second pregnancy. My daughter was born prematurely and with um, a couple other medical problems going on. She ended up being in the, the NICU for a total of eight months. And in that time, her dad did come back around when she was two months old. When he and I got back together, my very best friend of 10 years disowned me. She didn't think that I should be with him, and she completely cut me out of her life. Gosh. For the first um, eight months of our relationship, he and I were actually very happy. He did everything he needed to do to learn to take care of our baby. We actually had to do intense hospital training just to be able to bring her home. I knew that when she came home, she was going to need 24-hour nursing care. So I ultimately decided that I would have to quit my nursing job, at least for maybe the first few years of her life, so that I could focus on taking care of her. And that was pretty hard for me because I'd worked so long and so hard to, to get to that point where I was working in a hospital and totally supporting myself independently. But I knew that that's what she needed, and I was willing to do that. Well, that's a tremendous sacrifice. But you did it for your daughter. It was something you had to do. But um, you find yourself in a particularly difficult situation because you're a single mom now without a job. Yeah. How did you make that work? The state that I live in will actually um, pay a parent to be a caregiver for a, a child. And it was a, a pay cut. But I figured, you know, it would only be for a while. We'd get through it. So I decided that, you know, I could do it. And so how, how did things go? Well, when she first came home, things were, were great. But ultimately, my relationship with her father did not work out. He, things got pretty toxic. And 
let's just make a long story short and say it ended with a, a police call and a, a restraining order. So that was the end of that. So now I find myself a single mom of two kids, one daughter who's extremely medically fragile. My home has become a hospital. My best friend of 10 years disowned me. And I was grieving from like this very abusive relationship that I'd been in. I mean, I really didn't even recognize my life. Like it had just changed so quickly and so unexpectedly. You're probably like, how on earth did I get here? Yeah, I was. Such a change. It was. So now you find yourself very isolated. You're living at home with your special needs kid, who you love. Yes, very much. But you've got to find a way to provide for her. Your income is lower than you're accustomed to, and you don't have any support whatsoever. Financially, no. I was completely on my own. I never received child support. But because I had been working as a nurse for a year before I quit, I had managed to save quite a bit of money. So I'd say for the first two years, we did fine. I was able to pay my bills and, you know, it wasn't really a problem because I had so much money saved up. But things with my daughter, it turned out that she was probably going to need care for a lot longer than we initially planned. So I did find myself in a position where I kind of took a look at my finances and I realized, you know, unless I came up with some second income, we were going to be looking at a pretty major lifestyle change, which struggled to support myself for, you know, all, all through my 20s. And I had gotten a taste of like this sweet life where I was making a lot of money and I was just not really looking forward to having to go back to that, especially, you know, with two kids to look out for now. Sure. And while you're at home, did you have any support in the house from family? Some. My mom would help me out with the kids. But my second daughter, her needs were so medical that I didn't really have a lot of people that knew how to do it. Or I was already a nurse and I had to train to learn how to care for her. So, okay, I understand. So, I had a little help from family. And um, my older daughter, her dad was very supportive and involved in her life. Um, so, I did have help here and there, but it was definitely all me and providing for the day to day care of the household as well as the finances. And so then after a year, the money's getting a little tighter, your savings are starting to dwindle, and you're realizing that, you know, the, the need for funds to continue to care for your daughter is not ending anytime soon. Right. You've got to find another source of income. Yes, but there was no way that I could work outside the home. You know, there just wasn't a way that I would be able to get consistent childcare. So I had come across an article in a magazine about a woman and she wrote about how she made $5,000 like a month being a sugar baby. Okay. What is a sugar baby? A sugar baby is typically a woman who spends time and gives companionship to usually older wealthy men. What goes on between them is kind of 
variable from uh, relationship to relationship. Okay. So that's something you would negotiate at the beginning of the agreement. Yeah. Okay. So when you read this idea in this article and you saw how much money the author had proclaimed to make, this seemed like a way for you to close your funding gap with a certain amount of ease, not a lot of uh, time commitment, right? Yeah, it, it, it did. It appealed to me. Yeah. What was your thought process at that point? Was it like an immediate, this is the answer I've been looking for? <laughs> or were you like, well, you know, think about this a little bit? There was definitely a period of consideration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I'd actually thought about it for a while and it kept being like one of those things like, am I really going to go for it? Am I, am I going to try this? And eventually I just went on the site and I made a profile. Okay. And decided to see what would happen. All right. So you went online. I imagine there are a number of sites that cater to this particular niche, but you found one you liked. How did you happen to settle on the one that you chose? I used the same site that the the woman in the magazine article had mentioned. I'd say that it's probably the main site that's used for this. Okay. So you went for the brand name in the category? Yes. Were you nervous setting up your profile? I wasn't really nervous. At that point, I was feeling pretty good about it. I was just like, you know, I'll, I'll see where this goes. And, you know, I don't have to do anything if it turns out that, you know, I don't like it. So I was pretty looking forward to it at that point, I'd say. Okay. And also, please tell me if I'm wrong, but, you know, you've been in the house a lot without a lot of social interaction. You know, was there a component of this too? Like it's going to help me get out and meet people? Definitely. There was very little time in my life for going out to nice dinners or anything like that. I thought, you know, maybe I'd meet someone really interesting and I just wasn't sure what would happen, but I was willing to find out. Okay. So this could check a few boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Could give you an extra income. It would be fairly easy lift in terms of your time commitment and uh, you could have some fun doing it too and and maybe uh, meet some interesting people. So great. So Tell me what kind of information they ask for you to put in your profile. And did you include, you know, face pictures, for example? Well, for the most part, it really is like any dating site. You, you know, name, you know, or at least what you're calling yourself, uh, age, what you're looking for, your interests, hobbies. But then there are a couple specialty questions on there. Like they include the income of the men on the site. Some men can opt not to put it up there, but most of them do. And then, of course, it's up to you to decide if they're telling the truth or not. And then you can also type in like what you're looking for, like whether you want something long term or something more casual. And I had heard that there was a place where you could specify the exact amount per month you want, but I never found that feature on there. And so that wasn't included in my profile. So Erilyn, I'm interested in what information you put down. Did you say you were looking for something casual, for something long-term? I said that I was looking for a uh, monogamous relationship. I had heard of other sugar babies who like to date as many as they can and just make as much as they can. But for me, I decided I just wanted one person. So I specified that and I told a little about my situation. I I think most men on the site, they like knowing their money is going for a good cause like college or something. So I was up 
upfront about the fact that I was a single mother and that um, I was home caregiving to my second child and that I was just looking to help support my family. So I just want to get the next question out of the way and forgive me if it is somewhat inelegant, but, um, but is this prostitution? Um, from a legal perspective, it's not. The money received is considered gifts. I personally didn't get too caught up in whether or not it is or isn't. I think that's how you look at it. Some people will say it's prostitution. Some people will say it's completely different. I just, I just thought of it as you know, two people agreeing to benefit each other, where each person gets something that they want out of it. Okay, and I mean that's that's clear. Um, would you consider it a form of sex work? <laughs> you know, I actually did kind of think of myself as a sex worker because I did take this on kind of my thought the whole time was that I would treat this like a a second job yeah okay so you've hung your shingle on the internet yes I did Erilyn is a sugar baby in search of a sugar daddy Mm -hmm. let the applications come in right Mm -hmm. so how quickly after you posted did you start getting inquiries from men We'll learn about the sugar daddy trade after the break. And ahead, Erilyn could never have predicted the impact a man would have on her life. Hey everyone, this is our first show of the year, and it's a time when many of us are focusing on New Year's resolutions and how to make our lives better, right? Well, if you want to keep your head clear and feel your best, allow me to recommend a product that I use. It's called Feels CBD. Feels is a premium CBD, and it can help with stress, anxiety, and pain. And thanks to our partnership with Feels, we have got a special offer for Secret Room listeners. And I won't keep you in suspense, because the offer is that good. It's 40% off your first three months with free shipping. I'm not kidding. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover or addiction. You just place a few drops under your tongue, and let it go to work. It helped me with anxiety and sleeplessness, and it can help you too. Feels is a class act. They adhere to the highest quality production standards, so you get a quality product that works. You can check out their process on their website, and their customer service is great too. And if you're new to CBD, they will even help you figure out your perfect dose. Just give them a call on their free CBD hotline. I did, and they were so helpful. And you can make self-care easy and save money by joining their monthly membership program, which you are free to pause or cancel whenever. Start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com secret and you'll get 40% off your first three months with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot secret to become a member and get 40% automatically taken off your first three months with free shipping. Check the show notes. I have a ton of super thick hair. It can be unruly, heavy, and hard to style. It's unique to me, just like your hair is unique to you. Sometimes shopping off the shelf isn't enough. I need something custom just for my hair, and you need something custom for yours too. And you're in luck. Pros is offering Secret Room listeners 15% off their first order. Pros isn't like other hair care products. They are a carbon-neutral certified B Corp, which I love, and they are a leader in sustainably sourced and cruelty-free products. I can rest easy knowing they support my personal goal to treat the planet well. When you go to their website, Pros starts you off with an in-depth consultation. They ask you about your hair, but they also ask you things I didn't expect. 
like where I live, my eating habits, and other factors that I now know impact my hair. I was blown away at the detail. And then they analyzed all that information and mailed off my products right away. Let me tell you, I was immediately impressed. I usually use a straightener to smooth out my hair when I'm wearing it down. Now, seriously, I can run a brush through it and it's smooth and ready to go. I am over the moon. It makes my life so much easier in the morning. Pros is a healthy hair regime with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com secret. That's P-R-O-S-E dot secret for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. We're back with Erilyn, and she's about to tell us what happened after she posted her profile on a sugar daddy site. I got a, a lot of responses within a couple hours. I had received some messages. I would imagine that some of them would not be legitimate. They're just people trolling. Was it easy to be able to separate the real offers from the fakes? I have a pretty good intuition about that sort of thing, and I, I did kind of go with what I thought sounded good. I did not try to respond to everyone. I just would respond back to the people who seemed like someone I could connect with. But there was a lot of fielding through offers that I uh, thought were pretty direct and took me by surprise, I guess you could say. Tell me one that caught you by surprise. Most of the men were very polite, like, oh, I, I saw your picture. You seem interesting. But others were more like, here's this amount if you want to meet me tonight and do this. And that wasn't what I was there for. Right. Yeah. You're looking for, even though there is money exchanging hands, you're looking for, you know, some kind of a connection, right? Yeah. This is somebody you want to have a monogamous relationship with that will span a certain amount of time. And so you've got to get along. Exactly. Were you concerned at all that friends or family or former coworkers might stumble across your page and recognize you? I did think about that, that I might be seen on there, but I figured anyone who saw me on there was also on there, you know? Mutually assured destruction. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. You must have gone out with a, a few people before you found your match. Oh, yes. Tell me about the first person that you elected to meet in person. Um, he was a, a nice older man who lived pretty close to the town that I live in. And I agreed to meet and have dinner with him. When we met, he was like a really nice person and I enjoyed our dinner. And I have to say, my I'm not a, a very aggressive person I, when it goes for being direct about something that I want. That just doesn't come naturally to me. And so I think as a sugar baby, my biggest hindrance was that I just didn't know how to talk about money. That's interesting. Did you find that with most men that it was the onus was on you, the sugar baby, to kind of set the terms of what you wanted? Or, or did you find that the men typically took the lead to say, this is what I want. Here's what I'm offering. No, they, they didn't. I had this image in my head of what the expectations were, and I, I figured they were the same for everyone, and, and they just weren't. And I had a really hard time feeling comfortable telling them exactly what I wanted because it's uncomfortable to 
I guess to name a price, it's it's intimidating and you know, you don't want to ask for too little. You don't want to sound like you're asking for too much. It's awkward. I can only imagine. Particularly since you didn't have any experience in this particular arena. Right. Well, what happened on that first date? Did he give you money? Usually the first date is what they call like a meet and greet. The expectation is not for any money to exchange hands. It's just to get to know each other. And some men will bring a gift I've heard on that that very first date. But I have to say, I did not experience that (laughs) in my experience. Um, But, you know, they did all pay for dinner. And I met up with this first guy. I'd say we met probably six or seven times over the course of the next few months. You know, I, I did end up spending time with him at his house. But it wasn't the the relationship or it wasn't the situation that I was looking for long term. He would help me out pretty much every time we met, he would give me something. But it just financially, it was not the situation that I'd been hoping for, which was, you know, something with a a higher earning potential, I guess you could say. This was the very first man you met. You you ended up seeing him six or seven times. So you you thought something might be there, but it just wasn't making enough money for you. Yeah, but it was still something. So when I had nothing else going on, if if he wanted to spend time together, I knew, you know, that was $200 that I would have for something. Okay. (laughs) But at that time, I was still on the site. Like he and I weren't exclusive, I guess. At that time, I was still, I guess, taking applications. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I did end up going on several dates and there was... One man who wanted to, he wanted to own me. He was messaging me constantly. He wanted like a, an S&M style relationship. And I, I, I was open-minded about it at first. Like I was just kind of letting it go to see how it would play out. And I was thinking like, we can have a, you know, a sub-dom relationship if the, the price is right. He wanted to own me for two to four hundred dollars a month, and that wasn't going to cut it. No, that's just kind of when I realized, like, do I have the completely wrong image in my head of, of what this is supposed to be like? I was picturing a couple thousand dollars a month and going to nice hotels and fancy restaurants, and a lot of it to me just seemed like they wanted a booty call and they were willing to give you a couple hundred bucks at the end. And that was just really discouraging for me. That's so I did keep pressing on for a while just hoping to find something more what I was looking for. And I mean, probably about 6 months into it, I just stopped. I got off the site and I was just going to be done with it. How many people had you served as a companion for? You know, by the time you started feeling a little dejected and like, maybe this just isn't going to be what I was hoping it was going to be. I'd met probably uh, about five. Not all of those dates led to anything more than that. But then there'd been a lot of people that I'd been receiving messages from. And that was the other thing. It it was a a huge drain of my time sometimes. Uh, Like I'd have so many people wanting a response. Or just wanting to talk all day, wanting to text all day, like, hey, how's your day? And 
I just didn't have a lot of time for that, especially for people that I didn't know that well. And I just got kind of overwhelmed by it. And I was like, maybe other women are just more direct than I am. Maybe I don't have, you know, the assertiveness it takes to be a big earner in the sugar baby world. So I was going to ask if, if you thought maybe you should fine tune your strategy or were you just like, this isn't working out. I haven't, I haven't got what it takes. <laughs> I, I did probably realize that I should fine tune my strategy. I just wasn't sure how to do that because it was just so difficult for me to lay it all out on the table. I was waiting, I guess, for something to happen instead of me making it happen. I just got fed up with it. Yeah. Why can't it just come to you, right? Yeah. So you decided to take a, a break? I didn't completely take down my site or cancel my site, but I just never logged back on for a couple months. I just stayed away. I wasn't interested and just stayed off for quite a while. Yeah, I can imagine. It was like you had this idea that, you know, there was going to be some easy money, some easy friendships, and um, it just wasn't happening. So you stepped away. Yeah, I just wasn't meeting that one person that I was hoping to meet. And it honestly was a lot harder than I thought it would be. It was easy if you just want to make, you know, a little here and there. Then I can see for people who had the time, I could have made a career out of just serial dating these men because, you know, they were all willing to, to give a little something. But, you know, that just wasn't what I had the time for or what I was looking for. I just wanted one person no one allowance. It just felt too hard to find. But we know that changed. <laughs> it did. Carolyn sounds hopeful about the world that was about to open up for her, but it belies the devastating fate that awaits her. We are all beautiful people, right? And it's important to keep cultivating and loving the person you already are. Well, I've up my self-care game with Dipsy. Don't you think it's time you join me? Dipsy is the audio app that not only has sexy audio stories to explore your passions, but they have relaxation sessions, sleepscapes, and more. Here to join me is Rose. I have to tell you something, Susie. How'd you come to find Dipsy, Rose? I'm so glad the secret room told me about Dipsy. I've been working on loving myself exactly the way I am. Oh my gosh. It's just something that I am doing. That is great to hear. My favorite time to settle in with Dipsy is at night when I relax before bed. I love the bedtime stories that fade out into a soundscape. I just listened to Malcolm's Bungalow. It really helps me switch off my busy mind and truly relax. My fiance and I called up last night and listened to the series Fixer Upper. He's a handyman and that story was right up our alley. Ooh, heating things up with your partner is an excellent idea too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like inspiration to reconnect and discover new things. And Dipsy has something for everyone, no matter what you're into. Dipsy has some of the greatest stories and very seductive. I can't wait to commit more time to myself this year with Dipsy. And for listeners of The Secret Room, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com secret. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash secret, dipsystories.com slash secret. It's all in the show notes.
It looks like things are turning up for Erilyn, but when a man enters her life and an unexpected arrangement is struck, can it be only a matter of time until the sugar rush runs dry? And now, the final chapter. So a couple months go by, did you start to feel the allure to go back? Like maybe you had an idea how to make it work or did an offer come through that you saw that piqued your interest? I just decided to go and read some messages. I hadn't checked my inbox in, in months, so I guess it was more out of curiosity. Sure. I mean, this was a world that you had opened up, you know, and you saw that it could work if you had just been able to be a little more assertive or aggressive. I can see that the allure was there because you know that there is still a possibility. So you go back and maybe, just maybe, the right proposal is waiting for you. Exactly. Yeah. And and was it? It was. Wow. <laughs> okay. Goodness gracious. <laughs> so, okay. So, so tell me what happens. You, you stumble across a message. Yeah. What does the message say that catches your attention? This message was direct. I saw that I'd gotten a message from a man that said, hey, your profile caught my eye. I love your pictures. Tell me what you're looking for and exactly how much you're hoping to make for your allowance. And he said, I'm sorry to be so forward, but I hate to go back and forth forever only to realize we aren't on the same page. Okay. And he described himself a little. He said he was a businessman and he was looking to share some money for the right person. Wow. And so you're like, okay, we're back in business. Yes. He was the first person who had ever asked me, how much do you want to make? He was the first one. Okay. We're off to a great start. Yeah. Yeah. It was intimidating because like I said, I had a hard time being direct about that. But at this point, I thought I don't have anything to lose. I've already decided the site is probably not going to deliver what I'm looking for. So I just wrote him back. Did you name your price? I told him my amount was I wanted $2,500 a month for my allowance. I kind of sent it and then waited nervously <laughs> to see what he would say. See if that was too too much. Yeah, you know, if I was too expensive or... <laughs> but, but that's what you wanted and you're not going to do it for less because you just don't have the time to commit for anything less. Right. But let me ask you this, um, Erilyn. Did you state in your proposal how many times you would meet for that $2,500 a month? No. In that first message, he was more like ballpark, what is it you're looking for? Okay. Rather than what the specifics were going to be. Okay. So that's something you'll get into with him later if, if the amount of money sounds okay. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is, you know, you're probably looking at once a week, something like that. Is that sort of what you thought the expectation might be? Um. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. All right. So how long until he wrote you back? I think I got a response the next day. Okay. Were you kind of on pins and needles or was it just like so many other messages? Like you just put it out there and you're like, well, you know, if I hear back, whatever. You know, I wasn't super nervous about it. It was just kind of in the back of my my mind because I said my number. You know, you get thinking like, what's he going to think about it? Is Did I ask for too much? You know, is he going to be rude about it? Right. Did you find that people were disrespectful on the site? Some were. Yeah. Some were disrespectful. For the most part, I'd say there wasn't too much of that. I just noticed that um, the men had no problem asking me what I liked in bed or, you know, how much I like to have sex. And they 
were very open with their questions. But talking about the money was that sort of frankness was not didn't seem as appropriate for me to be as open about the money as they were about the sex they were looking for. So what is the name of the man you're communicating with? Um, His name was Nick. Did Nick include a picture of himself in his outreach to you? Um, He had a single picture. It was him on a bike and it was taken from a distance, so I couldn't see much. Okay, so at this point, you're you're not sure if you're physically attracted to him. Right, I, I couldn't see enough to tell that. And if I may ask, how much did that matter? You know, to be honest, I wasn't placing too much on, on that. I mean, I, I there had to be enough where I wasn't going to feel, you know, repulsed, I guess. I couldn't be with someone who, you know, made my skin crawl, but I wasn't like expecting or or needing someone to be exactly my my usual type. So he wrote back and what did he say? He said that sounds great. Let's set up a meeting. Wow. Okay. So you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is great." <laughs> I was so relieved, yes. Yeah. All right. Wow. And he told me what he was looking for. Uh he wanted to uh meet weekly, which was about kind of what I was thinking anyway. Um he lived about an hour away from where I lived. He would drive down to me the first time so that we could meet. He would come to me. But after that, he would need me to drive to him. How did you feel about him living an hour away? You know, I wasn't too thrilled about that. I, you know, that was definitely going to make it that much more difficult. But I decided to go ahead and meet and just see what happens. I Wasn't sure that I would be able to meet weekly with someone who lived an hour away. I honestly wasn't really convinced that I would be able to pull that off just because of the childcare. Like, um, just an hour of that is just drive time, and that doesn't include, you know, everything else or two hours when you think, you know, there and back. So I was thinking about all that. Sure, that's going to eat into your profits. Yeah, but, um, you know, this was the first person who had said, I accept and I'm willing to do what you want. And so I was interested in learning more and more about him and seeing where it could go. How did you structure your first meeting? Uh, We ended up meeting at just a a juice shack. Okay. And you pull up and he's he's already there? Yes, he, he was. He'd said right in his email like that he would give me $300 just to meet him. Wow. Okay. So, you know, this guy's serious. Right. So I knew that if I just showed up to this meeting, that was $300 right there. So I kind of thought, you know, whether this works out or not, that's $300 for me just to meet the man. What was your first impression when you saw him? Um, I thought that he was a nice looking man. Uh, he was dressed, not fancy. He, he was dressed casually, but tastefully, I guess. He seemed very, um, a little bit serious and, and reserved as opposed to like a, a lighthearted jokester. <laughs> he seemed how you might stereotype like a, a businessman, like distinguished and serious. And Was he your quote unquote type? You know, he, he was completely different than a man that I, I probably would have noticed for serious dating. If you'd passed him in the street, you wouldn't have given him a second look. That's true. I I wouldn't have. Right. He just looked like a a normal guy, well-dressed. And the way you describe him, you know, as a businessman and sort of serious, 
sounds like maybe, you know, you weren't getting like real warm vibes from him. Would that be right? Like he sounds a little yeah. cold or standoffish. Was that your sort of an initial impression? He didn't seem cold. He just more seemed, I guess, a little reserved, like someone who doesn't show a lot of emotion. Okay. But then when we started talking, he seemed like a genuinely nice person. Okay. So you're a little bit at ease. Yeah. You're thinking like, maybe this could work out. I had no concerns other than making those weekly visits, being able to commit to that. That that was my only concern. And were you sitting outside when you met? We met inside and then we took our smoothies and we just went and sat in his car. Oh. He had a, a nice silver BMW. Okay. And you felt safe getting in the car with him? I did. And, you know, it's daytime, busy shopping center, so. Right. You're in the car. You've got your smoothie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, you guys are discussing terms. So tell me how that first conversation and the negotiation went. Dying to know. <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much already told me, you know, what he was looking for in, in his emails. So it was more just, I think, you know, it was him seeing if he had chemistry with me just to get to know each other a little bit. And so just to drill down into the terms a little bit more, I'm interested if the relationship you're mapping out is just sexual only, or if it includes, you know, going out on dinner dates, you know, going, I don't know what you do, go for a walk in the park, whatever. Is there sort of a larger companionship component to this arrangement? The arrangement was definitely, um, sex was going to be the main thing. We were meeting, going to be meeting at a, at a hotel. So I kind of figured from the beginning that was what it was going to be. But in order for me to feel comfortable with that, there did need to be some sort of rapport between us. Did you bring that up or did he? No, I didn't really bring it up. I was just kind of going along with, you know, the ease of the conversation. And he had mentioned we would get to know each other. We weren't going straight to the hotel. Okay. The plan was that we would meet a couple times just, you know, to sit down and eat together and get to know each other a little Wow. Which I also really appreciated because, sure. I mean, no one else had wanted to buy me lunch first. You know, it was, he really uh, took his time and I, that also stood out to me. So this is sounding really great to you. And did he explain what his situation at home was? He told me that he was married, but he and his wife had an agreement that he could see other women, but she just didn't want to hear about it. She didn't want to know about it. And she didn't want anyone else knowing about it either. It was just, you can do this, but it needs to be kept private, I guess. I wasn't too thrilled about the idea of him having a wife, but he explained that you know, it was something that they'd already agreed on and we went forward with it. And did you find him credible? Did you think he was telling the truth? Well, of course, at first, I wasn't 100% sure, you know, he told me that she and him had talked about it and the intimate part of their relationship was over and that he could find that elsewhere. And of course, it went through my mind, like, maybe he's just saying this because he doesn't want me to be upset or something. I don't know. But over, over the course of time, I realized that he was like a very upfront and honest person. I think it probably was the truth. To this day, I think it was. And when he agreed so readily to the $2,500 a month, did you think, oh, no, I should have asked for more? <laughs> you know? yeah, no. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe. <laughs> right. I, don't know, I, yeah. I mean, he didn't try to bargain you down. 
No, he didn't. And Okay. And, you know, I was happy with that. I thought was, you know, the number that I... That's what you were looking for. Yeah. All right. Now you found yourself, you know, with the reality of finding the situation you were looking for. So, presuming everything goes well, you've got to find a way to integrate this into your life. And mostly that's going to be like getting the time. Yeah. And making your way to this other city, meeting him, hoping that relationship develops while getting through what you have to do. And hopefully you enjoy that and it's a good experience. So, all all this is kind of, you know, at your feet right now, right? Right. And he and I had talked about taking things slowly at first. So I honestly did not think that I would be able to commit to that weekly meeting. I I was just afraid that I wouldn't have the childcare for that. So I was going along with it like it was going to happen. But in the back of my mind, I was kind of taking it day by day and just seeing what I could work out, you know, but I did manage to get the time that I needed to meet with him. He took me out to lunch, I think probably a week later. He again drove to me and he took me out to eat lunch. The second thing that had happened was, you know, my daughter had a a surgery coming up. The hospital that she goes to was right next to the town that he lived in. And so I mentioned that to him like, oh, I'm going to be right here at this time. There's going to be some time where I'm going to be just waiting. Maybe you could meet me for lunch or something. But then it didn't end up happening. Like, um, you know, I texted him back and I said, you know, I'm sorry we weren't able to meet up. I really would have liked to have seen you. And so then he writes back, it sounds like you could use a little help with paying the bills this month. Why don't you come meet me in this town? I'm going to be there doing a bike ride. Meet me there and I'll help you out. Wow. So... He's just going to give you a little bonus without expecting any companionship in return. Yeah. And that totally caught me off guard. I, you know, I thought, oh, he must have read my yeah. reluctance that we hadn't seen each other to mean like I could really use some money right now, which, you know, was true, but that wasn't why I'd said it. But he offered and I did go and I met up with him a couple of days later. He said, come to this gas station. And uh, he gave me $1,000. Wow. And he just handed it to me. And he he said, I don't normally do this, but something about your story, like you being a single mom, he's like, don't overthink it. Don't feel like you owe me anything. This is my gift to you. Just take it and appreciate it. So he's really ingratiating himself to you at this point. Yeah. And it feels completely sincere. And you're thinking, gee, you know, this guy's uh, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that was the most money I'd been handed in cash and like my whole life, I'd say. At this time when he's given you the $1,000, you actually haven't met at the hotel yet, right? No, that was the thing. We'd only met at Juice Shack and we'd gone out to lunch. We'd never even kissed at this point. And he just handed me a grand. Wow. Like I was pretty taken aback. I was really shocked. Yeah. Man's got some disposable income. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and he's taken with you. Yeah. Good. So how are you feeling about all this? I was happy. I I mean, that was a huge help to my family, for one thing. He was winning me over with, you know, taking his time, wanting to meet me for lunch and 
he was just going out of his way to do these little things that I hadn't experienced before since I joined the site. It felt completely different than the other dates that I'd been on. I was really wanting to make it work with him. I was just worried that being able to commit to that weekly meeting was going to be hard or impossible. But ultimately, I did make it work. So tell me about the first time that you met at the hotel. Well, actually, the first time, I think we both knew it was going to be our our first official full meeting. (laughs) Um, We met in, he had like this um, travel RV because he was a, um, a mountain biker. So he also had this RV where that they would take the bikes to wherever they were going to go. And anyway, it was really nice. And he he asked me to meet him in a town where he had was in his travel van. It was a nice travel van, like kind of like a little tour bus almost. Right. Okay. So your first meeting was <laughs> so, not at a hotel. It was in an RV. Yeah. A nice one. Okay. All right. A very yeah. nice RV. All right. You know, at that point, he had been so polite that I was having a hard time picturing how he was going to come on to me. <laughs> he hadn't put those moves on me or anything. So, you know, we'd been talking kind of as friends, I guess, but I was really having a hard time honestly picturing what his seduction techniques were going to be because there had been like none of that between us in the getting to know you, except maybe I think he asked for a kiss or something. Like, I almost felt like it was going to be awkward for us to be intimate, but things progressed naturally, I guess you could say. Then we ended up having a really good visit. This was probably a couple of days after he met me at the gas station for uh, help with the bills. And then he gave me uh, another $600 for this day. And I drove down and I think I was there for three hours. If you meet four times in a month, that's just about your... allowance. Yeah. He told me, um, you know, that he was very attracted to me. And he said, you know, when I, when I give you a compliment, you, you know, that I, that I really mean it because I don't give a lot of compliments. And, you know, I had picked up on the fact that he's, uh, he's not someone who shows a lot of emotion. He's not lovey-dovey. He's He's more direct. I was fine with that. Um, I ended up leaving that day just feeling really, really good about things. And I was eager to, to make it work. At this point, did you find that you guys were compatible? I'm just wondering what it was like, you know, in those early times. Um, yeah, I did. I felt comfortable with him and I was definitely eager to keep seeing him. The only thing I would say is I didn't really get his sense of humor at first, and uh, he could be very blunt. I guess being a man, a wealthy man who ran a business, he was someone who just expected that when he said something that it would happen. He could be very direct and sometimes said things that I thought he could have said maybe a little more tactfully. Like what? Well, like he had certain expectations for my hygiene when I would meet him. You know, he would say, you know, I want you to have this and this and this and and uh, have it like that for me. You know, okay. I mean, he's putting in the money. I expect to, you know, bring that fantasy to life for him. 
I just had a hard time being told like, oh, and uh, I want you to have this and this and that. And it was hard for me to hear that, I guess. He wouldn't just assume that I would already do those things. So that part kind of would sometimes strike a nerve, like him telling me his exact expectations. And, you know, the first couple of times we met, I got this feeling that things were going great between us. Like we were having fun and, and then I'd get home and I'd, he'd have texted me with a complaint. Oh gosh. (laughs) I was just shocked. To me, it was so different than what I thought was going on. Like I didn't take enough initiative. I acted too shy. I didn't do this thing that he wanted me to do. And I was caught off guard. So that kind of pulled you back into reality. It's like, this is definitely a transaction. Yeah. And he's paying for a certain fantasy that he wants and expects. I guess so. And he's not shy about letting you know. (laughs) Yeah. And so at first, I was just kind of angry about it. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I just, you know, tell me ahead of time. Don't send me a text after the fact. And so after one of his messages, I remember I gave him a stern reply, like, you know, that's very rude. I said something standing up for myself. And he said, you know, I'm only joking, right? I'm kidding. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, like I I just hadn't got that at all. Oh, so that was like, I mean, he was sincere that he was being funny. Like this was a sense of humor you were not jiving with. Yeah, like he he would just say like, oh, I'm only joking with you or or like he, that was his way of being funny, I guess. Hmm. I just didn't get that at first. I read it as being derogatory. I I don't know. And then so did that kind of joking behavior continue and you rolled with it or did he modify that? Well, I think we must have talked certain things out. I, I know at first we were seeing things we thought that weren't really there. I don't know. We were just kind of having a hard time being on the same page at first. As time went on, that got better. He said on your secret that sometimes you would leave offended and outraged. <laughs> yeah, he did. Like really mad. Because I would think <laughs> that, you know, we just had this wonderful time together. And then, you know, he wouldn't say like, oh, we what a wonderful time. Except maybe next time. No, it was just one message of one thing that he didn't like. Okay. And well, I, that wasn't a, a problem that went on forever. You got over that in short order. Yeah. Eventually, like, if he said something I didn't like, I would, you know, just tell him. Erlen, people are, you know, really going to be wondering. So I kind of have to ask, and you don't have to answer. <laughs> but what were some of the quote unquote hygiene issues that he took issue with? <laughs> well, I guess, you know, he wanted. Certain grooming habits, I guess, is more what I meant. Like he, he wanted okay. me to be shaved, completely shaved. He, he liked that I wore makeup, and he wanted me to wear my makeup and dress nice and and things like that. Okay, and then what were what were some of the specific complaints he had? You know, besides just being shot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> during the week, like he had. Just to warm us up to each other when we were first getting to know each other, he did ask what sort of things do you like sexually. And so we talked about that and he was really into oral. He liked to give it and receive it. I guess that first time we met, the complaint that he'd had was that I hadn't given him oral for a long enough time when he had done it for me for much longer. I see. Okay. In my mind, I just didn't even realize that. I was just kind of going with the flow, seeing how things went. And honestly, I'd never gotten a complaint like that. 
Right. And so I was just kind of taken back by it. All right. So did you take a stopwatch the next time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So you guys are working it out. Yeah. Things are definitely on the upswing. Yeah. Did you worry about catching feelings or about him catching feelings? I mean, he and I were so completely different. I really thought that we would just meet and it would be a, an arrangement for both of us. You know, I wasn't even considering the possibility of catching feelings for him. It was yeah. like, this guy works out, you know, it, he works with my life and I'd see him. And then the rest of the week, I would go back to my life and, you know, maybe send him a few dirty pictures. But other than that, you know, it was completely separate part of my life. This is really very, very close to what you were looking for. So close, you're just satisfied. Yeah. This is like, boom, it happened. You got it. Yeah. Did you do anything besides, you know, meeting at the hotel? Dinners out, this sort of thing? We mostly met at the hotel. He didn't want to be seen out in public, you know, with me, obviously. So we didn't do a lot of things out. There were a couple exceptions. He did come to my house one time. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, he came into to town with a friend to go to a casino when he had his friend drop him off at my house that night. I have kids and I wanted to keep that completely separate. So we joked that it was, you know, we were like high schoolers because we had to like just fool around in my living room because mm-hmm. <laughs> my kids were in the bed. Okay. Um, and did he continue to lavish you, you know, with thousand dollar bonuses every so often? Or He did give me one other thousand dollar bonus bonus just because and then he gave me something every time we met the 2500 was my um, allowance for the month but every time i met him at the hotel he add on a couple hundred dollars to what my allowance already was for meeting with him but for the most part i'd say our relationship did take place mostly in that one hotel room with um with a few exceptions of me meeting him in his travel trailer a couple of times and, you know, the one time he came to my house. But there was nothing at all public about our arrangement for either of us. I didn't know anyone who knew him. He didn't know anyone who knew me. He did tell me where he worked. Good. So that probably gave you some level of comfort. Yeah. And he had said, like, you know, this is me showing that I trust you. This is where I work. And he'd given me, like, some face masks with his company logo on him. Okay. He said, you know, you know, I trust you because I'm sharing this piece of information with you, I guess it was. Yeah. That was a very uh, nice gesture. (laughs) Yeah. Did you become recognized at the hotel being a regular there? (laughs) Yes. And I actually had kind of a a funny experience happen to me (laughs) that relates to that. Okay. When I went to check into the hotel, I handed the woman who worked there, she was the same woman every time. And she looked at it and then looked at me and said, I know that address. Oh, my gosh. She said, I know that address. Uh What are you talking about? What? (sighs) She said, yeah, yeah, my sister, she owns that. She's probably like your landlord, right? Oh, no. And so it turned out that of all people, the woman who worked the front desk of this hotel was also my landlord slash next door neighbor sister. Oh my gosh, what are the chances? <laughs> I know. Did that cause any problems for you? No, it, it didn't. But I, of course, I didn't know. Like, oh, is she going to tell her that she sees me coming into this hotel every week? Hmm, she might have, but what do they care? I don't know. Yeah. 
I did kind of worry that maybe something would happen from that, but right. thankfully nothing did. <laughs> you never got outed. How did you make time at home to go on this weekly journey? Did you have an excuse? I wanted to be upfront about where I was because it was an hour away. I didn't want to say like, oh, I'm going to a friend's house. And I wanted them to know like what town I was going to be in so that if anything happened, they know I'm an hour away. So just so happened that I did have a friend who actually lived in that same place as where I would meet Nick. So I just said that I was going to spend time with this friend. And did you get a cover story with your friend? No, he never knew that I used him for that. Um, But he was someone that I had been pretty close friends with, probably like mostly the year before. And so it was something that seemed like me and him might be hanging out again after a little break. So it was believable. Yeah. If I would have known that things with Nick were going to go on as long as they ended up going, I probably would have just been upfront about what I was doing because that first time when I didn't know if it was going to work out and I didn't know if I should say anything, I, I just had said I was going to see a friend. Once I covered it up, I just kept covering it so up. So you, you're saying that there is a scenario where you would have told your mom that you were being a sugar baby? Yeah. Wow. I mean, maybe. I wouldn't have wanted anyone else to know, but right. I mean, I think she would have. She would have been down. It's like she would have been okay with it. I really do. Did his feelings change over time? We, we did just from spending time together. We did start to get to know each other more. I felt myself opening up to him more. There was definitely where at first it had felt like an arrangement. It did sort of start feeling like I was going to spend time with someone that I really liked. And it was something I looked forward to. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go get that money. <laughs> you know, It was something that I looked forward to for myself or having a nice time. And and did he ever confess any feelings for you? I'd say for probably the first five months, we had avoided all talk of, of feelings. We hadn't really discussed it. And I, I think what changed that was my phone had broken one week and uh, I wasn't able to be in contact with him because I had no way to. And so he hadn't heard from me all that week when my phone had been out of commission. And right as I got my phone working again, I I got a text from him and it had said, you know, if you didn't want to do this anymore, you could have at least said goodbye. Oh my. So he had gotten this impression that, you know, I had just dropped him, I guess. Right. Because I hadn't responded to any of his texts. I hadn't, I had wanted to, I just wasn't able to because of my phone. And I had actually like texted him the night before that I received that message from him, just explaining the situation like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been out of touch. My phone was broken. This happened. And um, I hope, you know, you didn't think anything. But for some reason, he, he didn't get that text. And so it was like after the time that had passed, I texted him that night and then he had just randomly happened to text me the very day after my phone had come on saying like, you could have said goodbye or we just missed each other. But yeah, so he thought that I just dropped him. So I was like, oh, you didn't get my text that I sent you last night? And he said, what text? And so I screenshotted the text that I sent him because I didn't want him to think I was just like making it up on the spot or something. So I sent him 
you know, my screenshot explaining what had happened and why I hadn't been in touch. And it was so happy oh. that I was back. <laughs> right. Like that he was so happy to have heard from me. You know, like I said, he was a very hard to read person. I never really knew how he felt about me. I mean, he was very generous in that way. So I, I knew that he was overall happy with our relationship or our arrangement. But I really didn't know, like, could I have been anyone? And, or was it because I'm me that I, I wasn't able to really pick up on? And so this incident where we lost touch for that, however much time it had been, and then reconnected, that was a big turning point for us because that time when we met at the hotel after that had happened, that was definitely like the closest we had ever been. And he just told me how happy he was that I hadn't left and that um, he had come to care about me. He told me that I was his definition of perfection. Oh. And that just, of course, like, you know, it really made me happy because I had just come to have so much respect for him and I really enjoyed our time together and it it was nice to hear because I didn't often hear things like that from him. I remember that being a very meaningful day that we had together. Our closeness seemed like on another level, like we'd finally said, you know, this isn't just about the arrangement, it's this connection that we have and it was special. Were you concerned at all that the money might go away if the relationship you know, changed into something, you know, more traditional? Um, I, I don't think that I was really thinking, at least at that point, that I could expect a relationship. I did start to feel weird about the money a little bit because you know, once we did have this level of closeness between us that seemed so genuine, I felt a little bad about expecting this allowance every month. And I had actually thought about maybe telling him that we could forget the allowance and maybe just he could be there if I needed help now and then. I had, but I just never brought it up. The closer that he and I got, the more the money seemed irrelevant. I didn't want him to think that I was only there to get that allowance because while things had started out that way, the allowance wasn't what kept me coming back to him. It was more that I'd come to just really enjoy this time to be like a, an adult on my own. I mean, the world that he and I had for that one day a week was just so completely, completely different than my life that I lived 24-7 at home. I, For me, it became this mini vacation every week where I got to lay in a soft hotel bed and he would always order food and we'd eat and talk. And the companionship part ended up becoming very important and, and meaningful to me. I mean, things just got better, honestly. So you guys have been seeing each other for a while now and you're getting closer. Where did the relationship end up going? You know, after that point where we opened up to one another, the time that we spent together was more and more lighthearted. It was intimate. It was fun. It was great. And we really only had one issue, which was he didn't feel like I always had as much time for him as he wished I had. There were weeks here and there where I couldn't make it. Like I had no way to to meet up with him. I just didn't have the time or the childcare. So that 
became kind of an issue between us. Like he wanted me to have more time for him, which I, I couldn't commit to. I felt really bad about that. And I think there were a couple of times where he mistook that for me not being interested in him. He misinterpreted my inability to meet him as me not caring or as me not prioritizing meeting him. There were a couple of times where I had to really clarify with him, like, no, this is not me not being interested at all. This is me being a single mom with very little time. So then one day, Erilyn, after about a year, you went to see him and you were really looking forward to that visit, right? Right. Can you tell me what happened? Well, we'd had a discussion about my um, me not being as available as he wanted me to be. And we'd kind of gotten into probably like the biggest disagreement we'd ever had. I mean, it was all over text and we weren't really fighting. It was more he was saying, you know, I'm unhappy. I was afraid that he was going to say he wanted to end things, honestly. I, I thought that, you know, this has come up several times. Here it is happening again. And so I really just was afraid that things were going to come to an end between us. We were supposed to have met that week, and I had to cancel because I wasn't able to meet. And I knew, I was like, you know, I did. I had agreed to this arrangement in these specific parameters, and I wasn't able to meet them. And so we'd kind of had this negative discussion like that, and I was worried maybe he was on the brink of ending things. So I just directly asked him, you know, are you not wanting to do this anymore? And like my heart was pounding, and but he sent back, no, you have no idea like how much I enjoy being with you. I just wish that we had more time. So I was relieved. You know, I said, okay, I'm going to make sure that we see each other this coming up week. So we'd settled on, you know, this date. I was a little worried that that day might be like him wanting to talk about things because of the way things had gone, like whether this was going to be like just a normal time of being together or whether it was going to be we need to talk about some things. I texted him a couple days before and I just said, hey, I want to let you know I for sure have that day that we're we want to meet, I will be available. I got childcare, I'll be there. He didn't respond to that. You know, there had been a couple times here and there where he hadn't responded. So I just thought, okay, maybe I'll hear from him later. Okay. And then again, I didn't hear anything the following day. And the day before I'm supposed to go meet him, I said, you know, I never heard back from you. I'm just, you know, are you still wanting to meet tomorrow? And again, there was just silence. Okay, you're starting to feel like maybe you've been dumped. Yeah, I mean, that had never happened before. He had never not answered a, a direct question. When it came to our meetings, he was always let me know right away. And so that was a big concern to me. I thought, you know, I was thinking back to this argument that we'd had, and I was like, wow, like, you know, maybe he was upset about this lack of time that I have available. And Wow. So all the way up to the meeting time, you have not heard from him. So do you go to the meeting or do you just stay home? I didn't end up going because I was the one who would reserve the room. And so I said, I'm not going to reserve the room until I hear back from you. You know, since he hadn't responded, I wasn't going to drive an hour and sit there. I was, you know, pretty upset at this point. I thought he should have told me like that he wasn't going to make it or 
I mean, I was very confused. Oh, it must have been devastating. Yeah. It had come so out of left field because he'd always been so direct. And now I felt like I was seeing this very passive aggressive side to him, like he just wasn't going to return my messages. Did he eventually text you and say, sorry, I missed our date? Well, that's what I was expecting. I thought, okay, maybe something happened. He, I'll hear from him in a few days and he'll say, oh, I'm sorry, this happened and I'll get an explanation. But you know, days went by and he never responded. And I had texted him like, hey, it's not like you not to talk to me. What's going on? Is everything okay? And he didn't respond to that message. And I started to actually panic because it was so unlike him. I had like this one night where I just almost completely lost my mind. I was like sobbing and I was sure that he must have had some horrible accident or something because you know, why else wouldn't he respond to me? And I had no way of getting information. I had literally no one that I could ask, like, hey, is he okay? Or have you seen him or heard from him? You knew where he worked. Right. That was the one thing that I had. And I had thought, okay, I will call his work and ask if he's there. And I said, if he's there, then he's ignoring me. Right. If he's not there, maybe I'll find out what had happened to him. The next day after I'd had that freak out, I was thinking, Erilyn, he's ghosting you. Obviously, we just had this conversation where he was telling you he was unhappy. He didn't want to meet me face to face and tell me that it was over. I said, he's just, this must be, he's taking the easy way out. He just wants to forget it. I was honestly just like too scared to call his office, I guess. I was afraid of calling him and having you know, him answer and... Oh, he might get mad at you for calling him at work. Yeah. And and then I seem like I'm, you know, desperately chasing after him when he's left me behind. I think it had been like two weeks and I hadn't heard a word from him. And the one person in my family who knew the truth about the situation was my brother. And so he knew what was going on and he was the only person. And so I called to ask him if he might call the office for me and because I just couldn't do it. I said, you know, I'm having a hard time getting the nerve to do this. Can you just call this number, ask for him, and then tell me what they say? So he says, okay. And then I'm just waiting, like my heart is pounding. I'm like, am I going to find out that something horrible has happened? Like, or is it the opposite? And, you know, he is ghosting me. So My brother gets back to me and he said, yeah, I called and um, he's definitely alive. And I said, what? So there's a great sense of relief, but confusion. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, my brother had said, yeah, he's definitely alive. They told me he wasn't there right now, but I could leave a message for him and they'd give it to him tomorrow. And so I thought, okay, well, there's my answer. You know, he's still at work. He's still working. He's obviously, he ghosted me. And so did your brother leave a message? No. Okay. So what do you do now with this confirmation that he's alive? I guess you just kind of settle into life and figure you're ghosted and and the relationship is over. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it was. I was really hurt and I was really angry. It just comes so out of left field. It was so unlike him to be like that. I It just never made sense to me why he couldn't just, I mean, this man told me 
how he wanted my pubic hair to look. And he can't say, I'm sorry, it's over. It, it just made no sense. Like how someone as blunt and direct as him just couldn't tell me the truth. But, you know, it happens. People do do it. People do ghost people. And I had to accept that it had happened to me. Did you end up learning another truth or is that where the story ends? Well, I I just moved on with my life and I'd stopped sending him text messages and I think two months had gone by. I still hadn't heard a word from him. Mm, terrible. And for some reason, I just thought like I'd send him one more and I did it totally on an impulse. I just sent him a message that said, are you ever going to talk to me again? Oh my gosh, what did he say? And I didn't get a response that night, but mm -hmm. the next morning when I woke up, my phone goes off and it's his number and it, the message says, call me. Oh my God, you must have just been beside yourself. I, yeah. I can't imagine. And I just had like the strange feeling come over me when I saw that call me message. I just thought, no, like I'm don't want to call you right. like after how you've hurt me right there's this really ominous feeling when i saw that message and so i didn't pick up my phone right away you know it had been so long i was like i'm not just gonna call him and go running I'm, i needed time to think and as i was sitting there another message came in from his number and it just said this is Nick's brother. Oh, my God. Call me. Oh, my God. So now you, your worst fears yeah. are coming back. Yes. My heart, I broke out in a cold sweat when I heard that. I just felt like, okay, there's no situation where his brother would be texting me that is not something terrible. Right. So how long did it take you to call Nick's brother? I, I I had to uh, calm myself down. I had this horrible feeling and I was really scared to call. But I finally, I I just did it. I was like, this is the truth. This is, I'm finally going to know like what happened. And I was shaking, but I knew I, I had to, I had to, I had to call him and I had to get my answer. Yeah. And so I did. I called him. Okay. And, and he said, he said, you don't, you don't, he said, you don't know what's, what's going on with, with Nick, with Nicholas. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I don't. Okay. And he, and he said, um, I'm sorry, but Nicholas has passed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, um, well, no, that's devastating. It was, yes, it was. I, 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 my blood just turned cold, and it was like I was there, but not there. Yeah, <laughs> like I, and I felt in the back of my mind that this was a possibility all along, even because it just had seemed so unlike him to be too scared to tell me the truth or tell me how he felt, but right. I had accepted that that's what had happened. And 
And then two whole months had gone by where I had built up this just anger and hurt that he'd done that to me. And then his brother like told me that I, that I was wrong and that he didn't do that to me, that he had planned to meet me that day. His brother said that? Well, his brother didn't really know the extent of our relationship, or, but he, he just had confirmed for me that, you know, that, he, that Nick hadn't left me intentionally, mm-hmm. left me behind intentionally. But. And so you are carrying all this inside you, these two months of all this anger and frustration and not knowing what's going on and, and now this devastating news. And I guess you can share it with your brother to some degree, but you, you can't outwardly show this to anybody else in your life. No, I, I was like at home. I just, I just had to act normal. I, I think I, my kids were at school at that time when I found that out or, and I, I just cried the whole time they were gone. But then when they came home, like I had to put a, a lid on it, you know, I yeah. had to just act like their mom. You must have had to summon and up such strength. I did. And it was, it was really, really, really hard to just carry like this secret grief yeah. that like to have lost, like he was like, like my only real friend at that time. Yeah. And like he'd meant like so much more to me than I ever dreamed that he could. He taught you that you could have feelings again. He did. And I don't know whatever would have happened between us, but. He may have also shown you that you were worth something. You know, he did. And I just wish that I could have like at least like thanked him and we could have I don't know at least said goodbye to each other I think probably you had thanked him many times I think he knew how you felt yeah yeah I I think I wish that you know our my our last memory wasn't that you know us kind of disagreeing about right you know him telling me that he was unhappy with the way things were but I think in the big picture like he did show me that that I meant something to him and I've tried to hold on to those things yeah and were there any other words exchanged with your sugar daddy's brother did he ask who who are you to my brother I mean, he's obviously been reading your text the last two months. Well, he only had seen that last one I sent because that was the only one I, I sent to his main number. We had our own number that he that I used with him. I see. Is, um, so I think that was the only one that he saw. He kind of had a, an idea of who I was, but he he wasn't sure. And, and I wasn't sure 
how he would he would take that but he was just very kind and supportive towards me and he said you know um i'm so glad that my brother had you and and then i he didn't know about it up until that point but he um he definitely treated me kindly and respectfully and you know he offered to help me out if i needed anything mm-hmm. and, you know, he's, he said that um, if I ever wanted to get together and talk about talk about things, that, you know, he could meet me in person. And What a lovely gesture. Yeah. Did you ever take him up on it? Well, I have only... This happened a month ago, so... Oh, my gosh. You know, we're still... He and I, are, are, we have a tentative plan to have lunch together someday and um but i haven't done that yet i i didn't want to meet him when i was still crying every single day and you know it it was really hard for me to even talk about this at all like without bursting into tears so um i kind of wanted to wait until i was a little less emotional this is still so fresh for you um the the huge storm is over i'd say but um like I'm, I'm kind of gotten back into my routine, but I, I still, like he's always going to be someone special to me. And you captured your feelings so well in the secret that you sent in the last couple of lines. Do you, do you have it there still? Maybe you could read those last lines to me. Sure, Ben. Mm. I will never know where our relationship could have gone. Because one day he failed to meet me on a scheduled day at the hotel. He went silent, wouldn't respond to any of my messages, totally blocked me out. I was sure that something horrible had happened. But after seeing no news in the news online, I figured I'd been ghosted. I was hurt and angry. But finally, after two months, thinking he'd dropped me most cruelly and having no one to ask because... We had no mutual friends and no one who knew we were even seeing each other. I found out the unthinkable had happened. My sugar daddy, my friend, my love had passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. He hadn't ghosted me after all. His death left me completely shattered and heartbroken while having to pretend around everyone I know that nothing at all was wrong. Inside, I was devastated. On the outside, I was living my normal life. He and I never got to say goodbye to each other, and so much was left unspoken and undone. I feel telling the secret will help me find the solution I need to move on. And also, it's kind of crazy, right? It has all the elements of great fiction. Sugar daddies, sugar babies, thousands and thousands of dollars in cash, secret liaisons, and all kinds of sex. Falling for the person you never should have met in the first place. Death, heartbreak, and redemption. But this absolutely 100% really happened. And it happened to me. Oh my gosh. So heartbreaking. How do you feel? Um, you know, it's still, it's still heartbreaking t- to me. I really feel grateful that you chose my story to be on the show. I I feel like putting this all out there 
has been really healing for me. You know, I'm working to uh, just keep moving on, moving forward with my life. Yeah. Do you think that you'll go back to the site and hang your shingle again? Look for another sugar daddy. <laughs> and, you know, when I thought that he had just ghosted me and I really did think about going back because, I mean, I'll admit it, there's something about that lifestyle, that um, that feeling you get from being pampered that way that was very addicting. I think he is the reason that I look back on that time in my life and he was the good in that kind of crazy decision that I made uh, when I needed some money for my family. And, um, you know, maybe if men like him were a dime a dozen on there, then I might give it another shot. But I mean, there's not going to be another Nick. I think from now on, I will just commit to um, regular, <laughs> normal people dating right. when I'm ready. Right. Well, Erin, I am terribly sorry for your loss. Thank you, Ben. The day that I wrote to you, I was just, I was honestly just having a complete meltdown and I just felt like I just needed to talk about it. And I thought that just getting it out there might help me heal in some way. And your podcast just seemed like a, a good fit for my story. I don't know where else I could go and share something like this. I'm very grateful that you shared your story with us. I'm, I'm happy I got to be on the show. Very glad to have had you. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Erilyn told me later that Nick died from a previously unknown heart condition. His death was particularly painful for her since he was a healthy, fit man in his 50s who loved mountain biking. And did you share Erilyn's thought for just a moment that Nick's death might have been an elaborate hoax? Remember when her brother called Nick's business after he died and they said they could get a message to him? We can't quite figure that one out, except to think that maybe the person on the phone felt awkward or was just under orders not to reveal the company's leader was dead. And we have proof for those who are skeptical. Nick's brother told Erilyn where Nick's buried, and the facts all check out. Erilyn hasn't met Nick's brother yet, but she will in time, when she's ready. So at the end of her story, Erilyn's left with a tremendous secret loss. The sudden departure of a man she thought she couldn't love, but that she did. A man who showed her a kindness and compassion she had never known. His was a love that she found in a most unexpected place, a place to which she will never return. Do you have any pictures you can share with us? I can send you the picture that I made my profile picture, and he loved that picture. She also sent a picture of the hotel and the room where she would meet with Nick. You can see the pictures now on social. Our handle on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter is at Secret Room Pod. On the next Secret Room Unlocked, Ben will join me to kick off 2022 with our annual behind-the-scenes look at all the mayhem that it took to get the last 26 episodes on the air for you. Trust me, it was not pretty. That's Susie Lark, your host for The Secret Room Unlocked, a premium edition of the podcast available to listeners who support. Find it at patreon.com slash secret room. 
You can also support your favorite indie podcast that could by checking out our sponsors and their offers. Find all the details in the show notes or at secretroompod.com where you'll click on the sponsors tab. Today's episode was crafted by Susie Lark, producer, Luna Patel, story development, Alessandro Nigo, hashtag flipper, Marco, the sound engineer, the street secret team, and Breakmaster Cylinder, who brought you the music. Do you have a secret New Year's resolution to share? All secrets are welcome. Just click the share a secret button on our website to get started. See you in two short weeks. This is The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Okay, here we go. Pot on, Ben. Pot on, Erilyn. <laughs>